Hi. What's going on? Great to see you, Eliza. Great to see you too. Great Eliza, to see get you off too. My call. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm gonna um hi you guys. Hi, honey. How are you? I'm gonna give Eric some coffee. He's gonna talk to you for a few minutes while I'm doing that. Okay. You got it. You got it. Okay. Here he is. Okay, Eric, don't touch the computer because it's not in a super. Eric, stable. don't touch the computer. Eric, don't, don't touch, touch the computer. The computer. I really mean it. Hey, come touch the computer. Hi, guys. How are we doing? What's going on, buddy? How you doing, man? Great. Thanks for asking. Great so to see what's you, pal. Uh, well, those are face. Those are masks. We're in a we're in a hotel room, so I'm always fascinated how the background looks. We have Hi, a whole guys. mask rack as well. I call them bad boys at this point. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, gotta slap on like bad boys. In the <laughs> Who's this? That's my Polly girl right here. She wants to see you again. She wants to say hello to you. Aww. How old is she? She's eight right now. She's eight. So, so she's like approaching middle age, huh? <laughs> approaching middle age. But I tell you what, is that she got so much energy and she thinks that she's a pit bull. Okay. Well, like she takes down everyone on the set, bro, just like you you know, back in the best of the best days, you know, clapping <laughs> people up. Yeah, well. Speaking of which, I, I've been watching that movie, like, how many times do you think I watched it during quarantine? Best of the best part, too. I've been playing a lot, too. Well, you know, that's a, that's a feel-good movie. They've been playing it a lot during uh, oh, lockdown. <laughs> I, I, I think it makes people feel good, you know? It also makes people feel social, because in the end, it's like reaching out to other people, you know? So, so it makes people feel nice about themselves because everybody's getting cranky. I'm really lucky. I get to go out. I get to talk at work and take off my mask because I have to. I, I get to have kind of half a normal life, you know, but I see most people, in fact, you know, 95% of people don't. And, uh, and you know, I, I put on my mask like maybe four hours a day. I'm one of the lucky guys. And everybody's you know, stuck behind those things. And... I go to work, they say, you know, Eric, take off your mask. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I got a man. I know. It's exactly it. I feel you 100%, man. Like, when I go, like, jogging, like, running at the gym, it's hard to wear a mask and run, brother. What about you? I know you work out, like, a ton. It's hard working out, yeah, Well, exercise. I've lost a lot of weight because two things. I don't eat if I don't work out. Don't ask me why it doesn't compute. I know it's not, I know it doesn't you know, totally correlate. I understand that. But if I don't work out, I won't eat. So I don't eat like I should lately. For a year, I haven't eaten like I should. So I lost like 33 pounds in this one show because I was on an island and I could only eat or drink what I found. So I lost 33 pounds, but I've gained back half of that, but I'm still way underweight. But I have a hard time because all I really do is my stomach. Every morning I do my stomach. And when I have a gym, which I don't always have in hotels, I have one here. It's not great, but you know, it's got it's got elliptical, it has treadmill, it has women's dumbbells up to 20 pounds, you know. And uh, but you know, it's a half a gym. But uh, but you know, I just realized that as I get older, I should do more of your cardio anyway. So I don't feel guilty about not working out. But how does it feel going to using a mask when you're working out? Sorry. It's horrible. No, you can't. You can't breathe in a mask. It's no it's, fun. It's really rough, man. And you're right about like you know the fact that you maybe not want to eat as much because 
you're not working out as much because working out burns calories. And what do you need after you work out? You need supplements. You need food. You need nutrition. Yeah. You know? And and that's one of the things that, you know, for me, I've been trying, like, I'm going to see Sean Cannon, who you guys know, um, you know, and and, uh, one of his martial arts buddies, Adam McKinley, who's a great martial artist. I'm going to go train out there, you know, and he wants to do a cook-off with me. And he's going to kick my ass because he he knows a lot more about cooking than I do, you know. (laughs) And speaking of cooking, Eliza, we watched the Celebrity Wife Swap today. And guys, I want to take a deep dive into this because you guys cracked me up on this thing. You cracked my wife up on this thing. I think my dog was laughing on this thing. This was incredible. And I saw your cooking. And uh, we'll go there in a moment. But can can you guys tell me what that experience was like? I mean, you guys have been married since 1992. For a week. Changed things up. And... It seems like you guys handled yourselves well, but I want to get your take on on uh, what that was like, guys. Well, okay. Do you want to go first? Yeah, you go first. Well, okay. Do you want us to hear and I'll sit there? Yeah, you sit there. Okay. I'm happy. Not, I'm comfy. I know. Are you that comfy? Well, no, it's not that. It's, it's it. I just. So I'm gonna sit back here, and I also I also don't want you to touch the cords. The, the the plug on the bottom, you can't touch it because it will pull that off. Yeah, I have to cut you off. She's always telling me, Eric, how to do like just about everything. I was uh-huh. in the, the kitchen the other day making a drink in the blender. With, go ahead. It's pretty much like I need instructions. I'm like a gremlin. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta give me instructions to do certain things. Certain things I'm good I at. Tell, I tell all my directors, my first time on the set, I say, I'm really good at being told what to do. Just tell them what to do. I'm really good at it. Ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm not kidding. I'm yeah. ready at being told what to do. Ask my <laughs> wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way, brother. Like, I mean, we go through it all the time. Like, you know, certain things. Like, I ask her all the time. Like, even like Zoom today. Like, babe, you know, we changed the mic setting. We changed this. Like, help me out. Like, you know, God bless your soul, baby. Because like, I mean, she all the time like is there. For same thing. To help me when I record music. Like, she knows more about the things than I do. Like, I'm trying to figure out a song I can't get going uh, through the MIDI transfer and all the things that go on, and she'll be the first one to go online fast. Let me tell you, fast. She'll pick up the phone, and she'll be like, okay, you got to do this, you do that, and then bang. It works. And then she figures it out. Same thing. So she turns out to be right, though. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't, obviously. Same thing. That's so funny. Okay, so um, well, yeah. first of all, let me just tell you, Keaton, Eric, and I, and probably some other friends, you guys, if you want, are going to be doing a movie called We Five um, here in South Carolina in about a week or so, a little more than a week. We're going to start this together. So you, I want to introduce you to the filmmakers because they'd love to do your, your, you know, to have a conversation with you and get it out there. Okay, so I'm going to do that. Remind me, I want to do that as soon as we're off this. Okay, connect you guys. Okay. I'm choked up right now. Like, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, Act like you deserve it. It's okay. Well, your chats are so fun. Yeah, everybody loves them, and they're so fun. Um, Okay, so wife swap. Okay, did you say I'm supposed to go first? You're supposed to go first. 
Oh, okay. So um, what happened was, actually, Keaton turned us on to the show. Not the celebrity version, the real version. He's like, Mom, have you ever seen this show? Which I had not. And it was so wild. Some of it I couldn't watch. Like, if, it, you know, if, if it was about vegetarianism and the other people ate a lot of meat and stuff, I couldn't do that. If people were child abusers, couldn't do it. Um, but, you know, but some of it was just really funny and very heartwarming, right? And so then they started the celeb one and all our friends were doing it. Andy Dick, everybody. And so I just said to our agent, let's do it. So immediately the people doing the show called me because I know them, we've done other stuff. They're like, well, the thing is, you know, you guys don't have little kids. And I said, okay, let me just like do a kind of a, um, a pitch deck for you of how it can work, even though we don't have little kids. It's not traditional swap. And so I did, including our kids, you know, including my daughter and Keaton. And, um, and, the squirrels. and they were, and they were totally into it. So, um, so then they give you, a, okay, the truth is about the show. They give you an option. You can either, they can rent a house that you pretend is your house or they do your house. The person who's staying there in the swap can either actually stay there or they stay in a hotel and pretend they stay there. Um, and so what, what we said to the agent was, well, it's good if it's our house because we have the pool to rescue the bees and we have the squirrels and, uh, but actually we need some stuff in our house. We need new outdoor furniture. We need a new oven. We need a stove and oven. And we built it all into the deal. I can't even, it was like one of the home renovation shows. Yeah. They did a bunch of stuff for our house. So it was incredible, right? Couldn't say no then. No, you can't say no. And I tell you what, talking about the squirrels, that was really interesting. You know, when uh, Robin Leach's wife did not want to feed the squirrels. And whoever edited it did a great job because, like, you could see the squirrel, like, being menacing. So I can understand, <laughs> like, her, her fear, you know? Like, but that's incredible. So what made you guys want to rescue squirrels? I mean, I'm an animal lover, big time. So I think that's great that you guys do it. But, like, what brought that on? That's, like, a, a pretty different... It all starts with one good deed. There was one hurt squirrel... We take it wherever we take it, the ASPCA, wherever no, we take it. No, the squirrel rescue. The yeah, squirrel rescue. We take it, fix the squirrel. They fix it. They say, okay, the squirrel's well. Can we bring it home now? We say, sure. They bring it back to our property. They go, oh, wow, you have these trees. Can we bring all the squirrels who get hurt and we fix them here now? So they say, sure, why not? Okay, 300 squirrels later, <laughs> we, have, we, we have a few squirrels. <laughs> and they all love her. And they eat out of her hand. They and they, 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 they will eat out of my hand, but, you know, I'm just a nice guy. I'm not mom, you know. No, they will. I'll use them to be patient and really earn their trust. Yeah, but I guess we just did a huge squirrel rescue uh, last weekend. Yeah, it was really a wonderful one, and we're not even there. We're in South Carolina, but it was our friend. And everybody two calls her and they squirrels. call me, and while he was up all night, they were all up all night. Our friend Rico Simonini, who's a doctor and a filmmaker, I'm going to connect you with him too. He's um, uh, he ended up driving over this is a doctor like a big doctor driving way out of his way hours to go pick up these little guys and take them to the squirrel rescuer to the nighttime and they're bed. doing great by the way you know there were tiny tiny babies um and i figured rico would be the best one to do it because 
if in transit there was a problem, you know, at least he's a doctor, <laughs> he's not a squirrel doctor, but who cares? Like he knew they were hyperthermic. I mean, he, he helped, he saved their life. He's a doctor of mammals, he gets it. Yeah, well, yeah, but he wouldn't say that, but that's, that's true. But okay, so the thing with the squirrels with Joan, so we love squirrels and we, we bring any location we're on, we bring nuts with us, you know, we love all animals. But um, with Joan, Joan Severance, first of all, she's not Robin Leach's wife. Robin's no longer with us. She's not his wife. She's she's just a friend. And but they, you know, they kind of put them together, kind of as a couple for that. I've they, known uh, her. They were real friends, though. I've known her for decades, and but they don't tell you who you're swapping with. That's real. They do not tell you who you're swapping with. So um, so and Joan, by the way, loves squirrels. She had to fake that. Um, she oh, that she did a good job. She just, we had to find things to be adversarial about because we really all loved each other. So um, she did a great job. She's an actress. I mean, she did, she was like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, and that you're right. The editing was so perfect because the squirrels are not at all menacing. But they managed to get shot. <laughs> um, did not, Joan did not stay in our tree house. She stayed at a hotel. Um, Robin, we didn't use Robin's house in Vegas. We used a rented house and I stayed at the rented house. It was so fantastic because nobody stayed there, just me. So the crew was all set up there and they used the garage. There'd be activity there all day during the day. And then when we'd wrap, they'd clear out. And I had that bathtub to myself, a swimming pool, and a, you know, and you know, like eight stock refrigerators and like 20 TVs. And I was just like, this is great. <laughs> so the marshmallow bath bathtub was real, right? It was a marshmallow bathtub, yeah. that's what you called it. <laughs> oh, that was that was heavenly. That was completely real. So, um, so yeah, so it was really fun for me. It was like a vacation, you know, and you can't really, you're not really supposed to talk to each other. So it was just, you know, we convinced the kids to do it. We didn't cheat. No, we didn't cheat. We didn't cheat. But we convinced the kids to do it. <laughs> Thumbs up. At first, like, at first, Keaton was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I turned you on to this show. Really? And, but then he's also, they've known Joan since they were little kids. She became a huge fan of both of them. And it was so adorable. And okay. where you find out reality TV has an audience is you're at the gym and all these steroid guys all go, hey, man, I really like your show. And you're like, oh, you watch that. You watch my show, huh? Yeah, yeah. You're my wife and I like it. So, so funny. And also, so Robin would say to me, because what they do is they do each day, you know, those um, on the fly, those OTFs where you're supposed to comment on stuff. And so Robin would be like, darling, I'm going to think of all kinds of miserable things to say about you. I don't mean any of them. So when you watch it, please, please don't worry, you know? And it was, we watched it together. When, when it finally was ready, the first time we all saw it, Robin threw a party at a bar in LA and we all went there and watched it together for the first time. And it was hilarious. Eric, I think, was suffering. He was like, I can't stand this, it's driving me crazy. <laughs> um, a little bit. I, was, I loved every minute, I would do it every week. Um, but didn't it bother you a little bit? You're like, people are in my house. I don't want a crew here. And it, you know, what? I, I grew up to be an actor. That's right, this not, is so different. That's not being an actor. That's being a victim. <laughs> <laughs> we made permanent friends with all the producers. We, we absolutely adore that group. We were, and, and then, um, when the promos started, we were on location somewhere crazy, not in this country. It wasn't just New York. It was somewhere in England or whatever. And so David Duchovny is the one who said to me, oh my God, I saw a commercial for your wife swap. I can't wait. I'm going to TiVo it. 
And I was like, really? And I couldn't even find the trailer online at that point. He caught it on TV. And then the people who watched, it's just unbelievable. You don't believe who watches so that show. Oh my gosh. R really normal. Uh, it, it was amazing. Yeah. And I can relate to it on so many levels. Again, Eric, with the way I am with my wife, like she literally drives me everywhere. She like <laughs> handles everything that I pretty much do with you know my daily life. I mean, I can function and stuff, but I mean, for the most part, like whenever I yeah. want to go someplace, I'm like, I want to get a sandwich. She's like, go get a sandwich. I'm like, you want to come with me? I'm like, I got to go to Target. I need, I need a couple things. She's like, go to Target. I'm like, you want to come with me? Because I don't want to drive. I know. I love that scene. I forgot about that scene. That scene was so good when Eric was having to drive himself to Team Radio V, right? Because Joan was like, dude, I'm not going to do this for you, you know? And believe me, someone had to tell him how to get there. They just didn't show that part. Right? I'm the same way. I, I leave the house five minutes. I'll call her. I'm like, babe, I have no idea where I am. You know, like, <laughs> help me out. Like, happens all the time. I'm not ashamed of saying it. I'm not ashamed of saying it because when I'm on my own, I'm fine. But my wife has totally reparented me. And then my wife is in the room. I'll let raise my hand. Can I ask a question? I mean, I'm like, I'm like you know, that's the ball. I want to use that. Reparenting. That's the way to go. Like, I'm going to use that because that's exactly what she does for me. Like, she's actually straightened me out. Like, I go back home and visit Jersey from Vegas, see my friends. They're like, you're different. Like, you know how to clean up after yourself now. And, oh, that's funny. Know? That's good. That's really, yeah, I keep forgetting you guys live in Vegas. You know, we were in Vegas for the show. I wish you were there then. Yeah. You live Absolutely. In Vegas. You're so You're so Jersey sounding still. Yeah, you're so East Coast. I, I just came back from a Jersey trip too. So it's like more like over here now all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, the food. Oh my God. I I ate so much. I was doing good with my weight, but man. Like There's I nothing wrong with that. that. Nothing, kind of now, but. nothing wrong with that. And the older you get, you can't get skinny. I'm I'm way over 50. And about from, from like 50 years old on, you can't get skinny or you look old. I look terrible right now if you look at me. Because I'm scared. Come on, Eric. You can't. We can't look bad ever. Come on. Let's face right. facts. <laughs> You're Mr. Brightside in the music video. Exactly. <laughs> you, what's it like in Jersey now? We were very surprised coming to Charleston, uh, South Carolina, because you know every all the places are crowded indoors and with no masks, and we we didn't know it was going to be like that. We didn't so know any place. Weird. Was like that. What's it like in Jersey compared to Vegas? What, I was telling my wife that uh, completely different in Jersey. Nobody gives an F, you know, wow. to put it straight. Like, nobody was wearing masks. I was actually at a bar in which, you know, one of my cousins owned. And I don't mean to throw him under the bus, but I was actually surprised to see the owner of the bar not wearing a mask. And everyone, like, getting up and going out and having cigarettes and moving around. Like, out here, the protocol is kind of like, we have a code of conduct of decency. Like, you know, you can wear, you take the mask off, you know, wear it when you come in, take it off when you sit down on a table. But if you get up to go to the bathroom or anything, you put the mask on, you wash your hands. As you guys know, I always tell everybody, you know, but in Jersey, like everyone was just all over everybody. They were not paying attention to any kind of protocol. And I find that a little concerning. Um, it, it was, it was definitely different. It's definitely, I was telling my wife immediately. It upsets me. I don't That's like that. We, we've got to take this seriously. Because you know what? You know what blew my mind? The, the, the same graphics were also true in 1919. I would have gave up on the mass, had a resurgence. 
I put him back to mask. We gave him the mask, had a resurgence. It's like, guys, oh. just wear the mask for three months straight, get rid of it, then take them off. So I had to go back and forth for two years. Three yeah. months straight, so it's gone. We, yeah, not it's happen. not fun. So the F what? You know, just, just get it done. Well, since the vaccine, because see, we we're both vaccinated, fully vaccinated. And, um, and Keaton and Hannah got there first today. And, you know, my daughter's fully vaccinated because her wife is a nurse. Um, what we needed to do, you know what it's like? It's like if you need to lose weight, you're going to do it with food. And so you start eating diet food, but you eat tons of it. <laughs> well, then it's not going to work. So this is like that. We're vaccinated. So if we were vaccinated and following all the protocols, then we'd have something. But if we quit the protocols and are just relying on the vaccine, it's like nothing. Like we're just fighting the vaccine and, and it's a fact. And like, I, I, as much as it's difficult to show we're on right now, because we have to be back in this location, quarantining a full week or more before each shoot date. And for instance, there's some months he only shoots two days. So we can't go anywhere, do another project, go home. Well, those two days, I have to give up three weeks. Yeah, it's like it's or more. Sucks. So wow, the man. thing yeah. about it is, and we're tested every other day, and regard doesn't matter that we're vaccinated. We're tested every other day, and they're really strict about the kind of masks and wearing them all day on all set. Day. You take them off just for your scenes, and, and you have a distancing. mask break twice a day. Yeah, we go outside. They socially <laughs> they distance you. They and they have a really big, huge COVID team. So now, if the world was doing that and vaccinated, we would get through this in a tenth or hundred Three months, three time. months ago. Since this virus or some form of it is probably going to be with us like sort of forever. Oh, it's ridiculous. It totally changed the, you know, the entire existence of life. And, you know, as we know it, and luckily like you guys, you know, I'm very happy with my wife. So we get by, we're, we're cool at hanging out at home all the time and playing video games. Well, maybe I, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't speak for you. Maybe it's like me that's always happy all the time. <laughs> she, she's got a lot to deal with with me but over here now. But I mean, the thing is, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's, life has changed so much and it's it's impacted peoples and businesses. But I mean, people like yourself, forward progressive people, like you're moving forward with your lives. I mean, you're still working. You guys right now are in uh, South Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. Last time I checked, Eric's got like two dozen films in like, you know, uh, pre-production and yeah. another dozen films that are currently in post-production. You yeah. guys are working, you know, yeah. and, and that's great. And um, I want to bring one thing back about yeah. the uh, celebrity wife swap thing. The exercise bike, speaking of working. The exercise bike at the desk, does that still exist, guys? Oh, yes. In oh, fact, my God. she's on it every day. I can't, I, I'm on it yeah. all day, every day. Like there, there's, even my mom and my doctor were over a couple of times going, you actually sit there and do, you do everything there. I feel so weird sitting, even this, like if we were doing this at home, I'd be on the bike. And she's on the bike and, and, over um, and it's, and so the whole thing of them taking it outside and separating, that's the whole point is to not separate exercise with work so that you're never just sitting so if you're on your computer, on the phone, reading or whatever, um, I even play with our grandchild on there. 
She's always lightly burning calories. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just inactivity. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so no, that totally exists. That was just an invention of ours. Yeah. You know, if we knew how to actually invent things for real, we would have done really well with that. Because there have been other things since we created it that are kind of not as good, kind of half-assed. But, you know, more power to them. It's great. But, it, yeah, that's very real. This is a question for both of you because your work ethic, both of you guys are second to none. You know, I mean, Eric, I mean, what are we on now? Like over 600 production credits, like film, you know, appearances and all that kind of stuff. Eliza, you as well. Where, where does this ambition and aspiration come from? Like, where does it come from? I'm going to tell you a story. In 1993, my, my wife and I, and probably known each other about about four years. We've been we were married about a year, and she says to me, "Eric, if you could do anything every day, what would it be?" I said, "I'd be on a movie set." She goes, "Well, that's not going to happen." Blah 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 blah. Then about ten years later, about about two thousand ten, she goes, "You know this HG thing that's kind of taken over? Well, everybody's their own like studio, and they're all calling for you for around the world." And I just said. I'm not going to India. Okay, anyway, she said, just shut up. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so, so we just started going around the world, you know, you know making movies, answering the calls, and, uh, and having a great time, seeing the world for free. And it gave me a whole new take on the industry because, you know, you, know, you, know, you know, before that, it was all artistic. Then after that, it became mass-produced. It became not artistic, but more like, more like recess. You only got a half an hour to have fun and go. And, uh, and, and it just, it just got to be so much fun and so unartistic. And every once in a while, though, you, uh, you, you, uh, you run into a group that's pure art, like It's My Party. Uh -huh. It's My Party uh, is, a, is a labor of love that was very hard to do. And uh, very artistically, it was hard to do, but it's a beautiful piece. You had those every once in a while, but all the others are are are, are like are like recess. You're just having a blast, and bing, it's over. Okay, see you guys. Bye, and uh, just a blast. I was telling my wife before we went on this uh, this podcast here, this meeting about it's my party. That it's one of those movies. Like, what is it, Stars Born, we just saw recently, you know, which is, you can only watch it once because it's so sad, but It's My Party is a great, great film. I've only seen it one time, but I remember everything about it because your character in that film, like, you fall in love with the character, you know, and you know where it's going to go, you know, and, and that's the hardest part, and it's so fun because it's a party. It sets you up for a lot of fun. And then it, the reality, the gravity comes into that that role. And uh, you just did a wonderful job, man. I don't know how you did not get nominated for an Academy Award for that. Um, I, I, I was in tears. I'm literally go, getting in tears right now thinking about it, bro. <laughs> Thank you, brother. One, one, uh, one uh, story that I really treasure in the, in the making of that movie. By the way, we just lost George Siegel. He played my dad in that movie. Yes. Anyway, uh, uh, you know... Uh, Probably the only heterosexual guys on that set were George Siegel, Gregory Harrison, and Eric Roberts. I think everybody Bruce else. Davidson. Bruce Davidson is also straight. I think every all the other men on that set were gay. Our, our crew, our writer director, our stars, everybody was gay. Uh, so so we had these two straight guys who had to kiss. 
Well, I learned something that day about, about kissing. <laughs> that, you know, when you have two guys that are heterosexual and you go to kiss, you like, you like volley for outside position because you both think you should be on the outside, if, if you get my meaning. When you, when, when, when you finally settle, you accidentally, and I, I, I say accidentally, touch tongues. Oops, oh God, no. And, uh, and then, then you pull back from that. And then, then, and then so you just kind of lay into the kiss like, like you're trying to make it real, you know? And then suddenly 10, 12, 14, 18 seconds pass and you're out of the kiss and the director says cut and the crew applauded. Now the crew was gay, so. <laughs> you got the thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but that was the most awkward day I've ever had on a set because, because you know, the night, the night before you look at your schedule, oh, I got to kiss Greg tomorrow. Hmm, I wonder how that's going to go. And, 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 uh, and it just worked. And, and it, it was like, it was like winning the hundred yard dash. I did it. Oh my God. Because you don't, <laughs> you don't really believe in yourself when it comes to that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you're the most versatile actor I mean, out there. I mean, let's be real, Eric. I mean, going from which we talked about plenty of times on the show, Pope Greenwich Village, obvious. I mean, let's talk about Runaway Train, working with John Voight. You got nominated for an Academy Award. That movie John did was, too. Yes. That was an incredible, incredible film, brother. Um, what was that Thank whole experience? So John Voight's an amazing actor. Thank you so much. I got to tell you a little story about that movie. So I get offered that film, and the guy I was offered was kind of a tough, kind of a dumb guy from New York, you know, kind of a guy. What are you in for? I'm in for statutory rape. That didn't go over too well with me. You know, guys in for statutory rape who are, who are bullies, who are dumb guys, it's not appealing. So I thought about it. I wonder what I can have him in for other than statutory. Because hmm. your murder's too far, kidnapping, all of it's kind of blah, 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 but it has to be a felony, blah, blah. And then I realized, okay, if I take his voice and I make him high and I make him from, from you know, the boondocks, you know, somewhere, you know, kind of harmless, you know, then he's in for statutory rape because I didn't know. I just made a boo boo. You know, it's it's like it's like forgivable. So I go to the director who was Russian, very thick Russian accent, Andrei Kantrolovsky, and I say, Andrei, I've been doing my homework on this guy because we had we had like five days of rehearsal. I've been doing my homework on this guy, and uh, I think I want to play him from the south, from someone like on, on north on North Georgia, East Arkansas, somewhere like that. Uh, so he's going to talk like he has, blah, blah, blah. How do you like that? Well, he's from, he's from effing Russia. He can't hear an accent. He just goes, sounds great, Eric. You do what you want to do. So, okay. So I did it because he didn't know any better. And I got away with that. I, I actually changed that character from, from, from being, you know, you know, you know, dumb and hard-headed to being naive and sweet, you know. But, but all because of his charges. Because you have to make... Statutory rate can balance out to be okay. That's a hard one. That's a hard one to okay. It's a hard sell. Only you could do it. And I tell you what, like when I watched that movie, uh, Runaway Train, the first thing that I thought of, you know, I've seen it many times, is that it sounds like Forrest Gump. So I'm thinking Tom Hanks owes you 
a round of applause because you have that, like, remember, I got the shoes, I got no socks or whatever it was like, and I can't do the imitation, Eric. I mean, but you went from doing Pope of Greenwich Village the year in front of, you know, alongside Mickey Rourke, Burt Young, amazing actors, and then going into this film where you play a completely different character, and then you always moved on to, like, play all these versatile roles. Like, we were talking about It's My Party, and then a couple of years in front of that, you're in the best of the best part too, trying to take down the Coliseum, you know, with Philip Ree, which is like, who who does all this? Like, this is just incredible. Um, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna point something out about Runaway Train that, sure. that nobody ever knows unless I tell them. John Voight, wait about John Voight is over six feet tall. He might be six two. I think he's six one ish. He's a tall cat. I'm only 5'10". He's, he's, he's tall. Okay. He also only weighed 165 pounds. We made that movie. But he plays a brute. He wore a complete bodysuit with muscles and everything. That's not his body. That's a bodysuit. And he backed it up. You thought he was that guy. Yeah. Yoga, man. John Blake does yoga, dude. <laughs> and there he is, looking like a monster, playing a monster, making it real, man. And uh, I, I haven't ever had more fun on a set watching another actor be as good or better than me every day. I mean, it's like, wow, there's that guy again. And uh, I just love John Voight forever based on, on, on that working with him. I love that experience with him. You guys were incredible together, just as you were with Mickey Rourke. And really, Eric, anyone you worked with, like Final Analysis, The Specialist, all these other great, great films. Like, whenever you get into a scene, dude, like, you, you play off the character so well. And, you know, it's like, I know it's Eric Roberts, but at the same time, it's like you get a different version. Look at Pope of Grunge Village to Runaway Train. Like, those are completely different characters, you know. And you went from, a you know, a guy from the East Coast over here now buying your sandwiches, you know, getting your bread at this place, getting your meat at the delis and whatever, to, you know going into Runaway Train and, and just made it work. Um, Eliza, speaking of characters, I want to talk about your career. So you started, you know, pretty much got you on the map with Animal House. Like, that's a pioneering comedy. Like, that's a movie that set the way table for amazing comedies like Porky's and, you know, eventually American Pie. You worked with John Belushi. That's insane. And... To my understanding, with John Landis, you went to high school with that man who also directed the film, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, can we talk about Animal House? Yeah, of course. Tell him, tell him about the, oh, wait, uh, the, uh, the youngest cast member. I, 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 well, okay, you know, because he knows Keaton so well. You know, Keaton was the youngest member of the cast of Animal House, having been a fetus in the film, because I was pregnant when I did that movie. Wow. No. So, um, and now he has a good relationship with Otis Day and the Knights. I mean, it's, it's a trip. We went back to the place um, uh, where we shot that scene and it's just, uh, it went with Keaton. I mean, what a mind-blowing experience that was, mind-blowing. Okay, well, go ahead. Ask me what you want to ask me, Johnny. Okay, so John Belushi, you know, obviously one of the greatest, like, you know, from Saturday Night Live. Everyone knows who John is. Yes. When he dumped the mustard randomly on his t-shirt or shirt toga i think it was right he had a toga party yeah that was was that did he just do that because he's john belushi or was that scripted like 
so much of what he did. The whole food fight was improvised. You know, so much of what he did. I mean, John Landis has a way of, I mean, he's a, you know, they all are great comedy writers. And John Landis has a way of staying very strict to the script and the vibe of the scenes and still allowing for improvisation. And if you're John Belushi, you're going to improvise. Some of the stuff that Tim Atheson did that's the best stuff of all of Tim's stuff was complete accidents. Like for instance, when he's seducing Vera, when he's seducing the, the headmaster's wife in the jungle party upstairs, he goes to hang up the clothes and they fall off the hanger. They just fell off the hanger. And he that's just played it. You know, so, and it looks like, of course that was in the script. And of course he had to do timer. No, and then you think if it, they hadn't fallen off the hanger, it wouldn't have even been funny. So, I mean, these things, these accidental tipping point, you know, acts of genius are just incredible. And they're all throughout. Pelushi's stuff is full of that in that movie. Oh, absolutely. And, and your boy, John, that you went to high school with, I mean, he did the Blues Brothers also, you know, with I Belushi. Know. I mean, that ending scene with the police chase. It, yeah. I've seen it 45 times. Whenever it comes on, my wife will tell you, I'm yeah. on the floor. I can't take it. It's yeah. just so hysterical and it, it's all physical comedy. And that's, that's what John really was. Like oh, you really sorry. believed in his yeah. physicality with, it, with his uh, comedical value. Like he's so good, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, we don't got guys like that anymore. You know I mean? Sometimes we do. Um, we just saw coming to America, come back. Also John Landis did the first one, yeah. which was probably one of the greatest comedies of all time right i mean it's on the barbershop scenes when they're talking about fighting yeah amazing I mean, yeah. joe lewis 137 years old you know he had never met no franks and i mean it's what what is this like where does it come from um another thing i want to ask you did the m word with michael imperioli great guy speaking of like jersey and east coast type things uh what cory fellman was also in that film yeah. Uh, what, what was that film like to uh, to have that experience? Well, I mean, it's a Henry Jaglum film and they all have a, a lot in, in common. You know, there's, you have, basically, they structure the characters around people in your life. And then there's parameters. Like in this scene, we want to reveal this. And then you make up the dialogue yourself. You have a couple of bullet points, um, but that's it. And, you know, it's, it is very crazy. Like you bring all your clothes and you're supposed to be wearing this for this scene and that for that scene. And there's no time. And suddenly they're coming to your dressing room or the makeup trail. And they're like, whatever you're wearing, we're done. You know, you can have one set of eyelashes on and the other one's completely not done. And you're wearing something that doesn't match in any way, shape or form where you like, you know, it doesn't matter. Just go. And um, that was a more mixed, usually Henry Jaglum's films are almost all women and they're female themes. This had a lot more guys in it than usual. Gregory Harrison was in it also from It's My Party. Um, we were, you know, inc- insanely bonded. You know, Tana and 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 um, Francis and I, all of us, just insanely bonded. Ra- Rachel Begley, we're all really good friends. Yeah. I mean, Rochelle Begley, we're, we're, we're all really, really good friends. We were friends before and we were friends since and we always will be. Um, it was, you know, it was fun kind of nerve-wracking in a lot of ways super fun when you're improvising like that you're always thinking of you never stop writing so you're always thinking of things you wish you'd said you know it's kind of like an interview you know um 
but it's just, but you know, I, I loved doing the M word. I loved, I had so many experiences with menopause that I had banked and wanted to get out there. And that gave me a chance to do it. Um, and you know, it just, there's a, there was an honesty to it. It's absurd and outrageous, but there was an honesty to it that I really appreciated. And it was a blast very fast one week of shooting and done. Also six degrees of separation. I had not metalized in 1976 when I was doing a play called Rebel Women for Joe Papp at the Public Theater. The star of that play was named Catherine Walker. Her boyfriend was named Douglas Kenny. He wrote Animal House. He was one of the founders of National Lampoon. He and I made friends. He and I would eat lunch together. I, I, I was very poor then. He would buy me lunch all the time. Uh, uh, and I told him a story as if it happened to me but it happened to one of my dad's good friends named Ron Shuey, S-H-U-E-Y, Ron Shuey. My father sold vacuum cleaners. One of the guys who sold, who sold vacuum cleaners with him was Ron Shuey. And he told a story about when in, uh, in boarding school, how they bought a horse from the generation plant. They, uh, they put it in the hall warden's bathroom. They gave it a trank shot of the weekend. So it, it, would, it would be there when the, when, the, when, the, when the warden got back on Monday morning. Anyway, the horse died from the trank shot. So rigor mortis set in and they, they couldn't get the horse out of the bathroom. So they called the generation people to get the horse out. And the generation people said, oh, that was a horse we saw one of your kids. Oh, which kid? And they pointed to Ron, he got suspended. So that's a story that I was told by my father. Well, I would tell that story as if it happened to me. And uh, I told uh, Kenny that story. He wrote it in the Animal House. Yeah, it's it's a wild film, man. You know, um, it, it probably so amazing again to work with John Belushi. You know, and Eliza as well. You got to work with Eric a lot. You know, Love Is a Gun, great film. Yeah, Nature of the Beast. Nature of the Beast. You need to see Nature of the Beast if you haven't. Oh, I've seen it, and I actually knew the ending. I thought about it, and and a lot. It throws a lot of people off. But I'm like, Eric's not, I, I'm spoiler guys, for people that are listening, I'm like, Eric's not the axe murderer. It's the other guy with the brain. It's all weird. Lance you can't so be that neat and not be crazy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But that was a great, great, great film. Another one, Eric, I want to talk to you about real quick is By the Sword. A very great film, you know. Yeah, Abraham. Yes. Excellent, excellent film, dude. And, uh, I know that you're familiar with martial arts and, um, you know, things of that nature, but to, to sword fight like that, like, what was the training like for that film? Well, I had taken the stage fencing since I was a kid off and on my whole little life. And then, and then, and then, uh, this, uh, this, uh, the show came up and, uh, I went into, to, to fencing lessons and, uh, got, got, my ass kicked every day for about two months, then started the movie. And, uh, uh, you know, I try to give all my characters something unique, like, 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 like my, uh, my fighting stance and like your karate or my sword stance and by the sword when I hold my hand behind my back, not up how they do that, but I held mine down behind my back. I always try to do something that's only unique to that character. So everybody goes, he does that wrong. No, he does that his way. Oh, how cool. You know, so it's like that kind of a thing. And, uh, and uh, because you know, that makes it fun for me. And uh, uh, By the Sword was more fun 
than almost really any physical movie I've ever made. Maybe Best of Best was as fun, but, but to buy the score was really a blast. And also, I was working with a great actor. I mean, F. Murray is fantastic. Yes, sir. Great movie. And speaking of Best of the Best, you know, twist my arm on, on this conversation. You know, these are my favorite you know, martial arts movies ever. Like, I'm a big martial arts guy. I, I, you know, I love boxing and combat sports, even though I'm a very peaceful man, you know, but I, I do like, you know, especially those movies. At the time when you guys did, like, Best of the Best 1 and 2, they, it was just, like, you guys were pioneering the whole, like, genre for the 90s, like, films. You know, 89, I think Best of the Best Part 1 came out. You had 92, Best of the Best Part 2, which was probably the most mind-blowing movie I've ever seen in my life because we went from the Olympics to death matches. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we went from, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what's happening here? And uh, by far, one of the greatest films. I mean, you, you had to probably go, because the fight choreography, Simon Ree, Philip Ree, all you guys that put into that, you know, franchise, like, I mean, you guys had to go through hell to get, you know, well, to do it. Uh, I take credit for uh, for Simon Reed being in Best of Best Part Two because he was not, and uh, his uh, uh, I, and uh, when they said, "Who can we have who's going to save me from 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 uh, from a fate worse than death?" You know, who can we have come 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 in to uh, do that? And I said, "Why not bring Simon back?" And everybody went, "Why didn't we think of that?" And so it, it, it like just fit. But it was my idea. And, That's beautiful. And they will all give me credit for it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like stealing credit. And but uh, yeah, Simon Ree is one of the most incredible martial artists I've ever met. One of the most incredible people I've ever met. And uh, just, uh, just, just, he's a lesson in how to be. You know, my voice got really high there. I'm getting like all choked up and like goosebumpy, and she knows how I feel about these sort of things. But I know. We love that about you, Johnny. Thank you. When Dehan comes in, you know, and you guys go <laughs> infiltrate the Coliseum at the end of the film, you know, you see him at the funeral, and it's like, oh, that's Dehan, you know, because he was such a badass in part one, but now he's all nice. He's offered his brothership, you know, to to Philip's character. You know, it's a Tommy Lee. And then you guys go there and infiltrate. You guys kick so much ass at the end of that film. To, to this day, it's probably my most fight, you know, friendly. The choreography is just unbelievable in that film. Like, you guys Correct. just throw people around. You don't take no shit. I have to use the word. Correct me if I'm wrong for you. But okay. here's how I see it. What Simon did with that fight choreography in part two was this. He made the fights fast and furious and ugly, like fights really are. Not Hollywood fights, but real fights. Like, like you know, when you bump up against a guy in the bathroom who's not letting you out unless you fight out. It's one of those. And you have that much space. And you got to fight. Well, that's life. That's the Simon brought to that movie, was that crunched up. We're too close. Oh, my God, we're going to hurt each other. Here we go. And it was just, I love Simon Reed for that, because that's how it feels when you're in a fight, as you might know. This is what I say all the time, correct? Yep. I, I said the reason why, like, the best of the best one and two sells itself so well is because there's gravity and weight and realism to it. You know, it's like you really feel like this is possible, you know, like, because when Brackus hits you, 
you fall down. You know, <laughs> when Tommy Lee does a backspinning jump kick, the guy falls down. It's not like I love the Rocky movies, obviously, you know, but it's yeah. like sometimes you watch some of them and you're like, ah, this would never happen. Best of the best two, like, yeah, maybe it doesn't happen or best of the best one, but it's a little bit more believable. I, I could tell she's looking at me like, you, I'm totally fanboy right now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking best of the best one and two, probably the two greatest martial arts films. Speaking of fighting, uh, you have a, I'm sorry. You're not alone. People love those movies. A lot of people really love They're those so movies. good. They're so good. We got to bring them back. Well, like, I mean, I, I know you guys do so much stuff and, and to give me and, and my wife and my dog and, and, and the love. <laughs> I want to talk about love real quick too. I, you know, Let's talk about Keaton, man. Let, let's close out with Keaton. Like, his music is unbelievable. He is so consistent. Like, yeah. what a natural. Like, yeah. how, it's in, he's incredible. Like, what can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't been, I, as, an, as an audience. Now, I might be biased. I'm a stepfather, so I might be biased. Let's, let's get that out of the way right, right at first. But... As an audience, I haven't been like satisfied by a singer-songwriter since 1973, an album called Catch Bull at Four by Cat Stevens. Since that album, up until I heard a song called The Medicine. So that was about 30 years past before I was as satisfied as I was in 1974. And it was Keaton. And it was Keaton Simons, the kid. He did that for me. And, and, and. I went on and on one day about when I was talking to somebody and my wife goes, don't oversell him. I said, what's wrong with you? You can't oversell him. And because he's just, he's complete. He's brilliant. He's smart. He's talented. And God, he plays the, the, the guitar so well that Eric Clapton has him open for him. I mean, that's who we're talking about. Yeah. I had the opportunity to uh, interview him for the first time. I could tell right away. He's very savvy. I'm a musician myself and uh, nowhere near the level as him. Like he, he's just one of those soulful, natural, just amazing musicians. But, I, I, you know, real recognizes real. And I could tell with him, you know, with Keaton. And then he started playing. And I obviously listened to some of his songs prior too. the second time I had him on the show. We did like a storytellers thing where he played, you know, three songs. I asked him, I'm like, would you mind picking three songs? And uh, putting that out there and, and uh, we could discuss prior to, you know, the arrangement and what, you know, motivated you to write the song. And then we'll break down the, uh, the technical side, like the, you know, musicianship and the notes and all like, because he knows a lot of stuff. And yeah. so he's just he could just pick up his guitar and sing in an open room without like sitting there, like a lot of musicians will do like, Oh, I need this. And I need this EQ and I need to make this and reverb that. He just, he, you know, Keaton doesn't do that. He just grabs it, man. No, you know? you'll, you'll, you'll find that actors and also musicians who have to do a lot of stuff, you know, you know, for the actors thing, it's because of fear. It's because of nerves. It's because of, Stark raving fear. I mean, I've been through it. I, I, I only stall when I'm scared. But with Keaton Simons, he is such a maestro. And he's so old for his years. And always has been. Ever since he was a kid. He picks up that guitar and that's like his hand. I mean, like, you don't, you don't, you don't see him pick up his hand. You don't, you don't see him pick up the guitar. It's just him. And suddenly, bang, the music comes from everywhere. I mean, he's just this, this it's an overused and abused word. 
but he is a genius. And uh, uh, his, uh, his mom won't say it, even if she thinks it, but I'll say it. I mean, he's, he's remarkable. And he, he, uh, he takes our breath away every time he writes a song. And I see the way that? you guys respond to uh, when you see him live. And I did the same thing. Like, I was watching, like, the show that we did when he was playing, you know, and this is him playing, you know, on a Zoom. And I'm sitting there, I'm, like, past it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, you know, my mind's blowing. And I watch my reaction. I'm like, dude, you got to get a control of yourself, bro. Like, you know. No, no. And, then, and then Stephanie will hear it. She'll she, she be like, dude, that song is amazing. Like, the song Inspiration, like, geez, yeah. man. Like, great guy. Like, you know, uh, what a great musician. And uh, you guys did a wonderful job with that. Because, I mean, a, a lot of it has to go to you, Eric and Eliza. You guys are consummate professionals. And he's also... She's the mom. She's the mom. I'm the audience. She's the mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we'll let you go. I had a great time, as always, talking to you. I can't wait till we do it again. Um, you know, good luck with everything you guys are doing. I'm glad to see you both so healthy and safe. You know, yeah, we love you, Johnny. Wait, I have we to love say you, one thing. I have to say one oh, thing. dude, Eric, <laughs> Eliza, we love you so much. I, I got some things I'm going to send you. I'm, I'm working on a, a script. You guys already know what that is. Cool. Yep. I read them. Don't read it. Wait, Johnny, let me just say something because Eric said before when he was talking about. Oh my God. When he was talking about. Um, um, when he was saying, you know, about going anywhere and all the jobs and just take the jobs and whatever, um, you know, that work ethic is just basically work. And he said, I won't go to India. I just want to say the reason is the certain times of year, the heat, and it makes it very hard to work. And the other reason is there's, you know, if you can go to a place like that and do something to alleviate, there's, it's a magical, incredible place, but there's also a lot of, you know, a lot of people having a really hard time. If you can go there and do something about that, that's one thing. If you're going to a place and you're going to be in kind of a bubble removed from the reality of the place, there's something very um, heartbreaking about that because you're kind of like, this is not fair. I mean, you feel like you're, you'd rather see the people who really need the help to create a bubble for them and not just go everywhere in your kind of golden carriage and what of production, you know? So it's just kind of gearing up when we do film places like that, uh, it's gearing up to make sure, first of all, that what we're, that what we're bringing is actually helping the people who are there um, and not just taking advantage. Um, so that's basically, that's the reason. I just wanted to be sure to clarify. I get to speak every project. I get the speech yeah. every project. That's what's up. That's showing respect. That's showing, like, you know, being smart. You yeah. know, like, a lot of Dude. people, like, say all the time, like, you're, you're always talking about, you know, washing hands and stuff. I'm like, I've been washing hands all my life. I mean, these bad boys are clean, man. You know, it's like, <laughs> I've always been doing it. And certain yeah. things, like, even, like, around certain people, like, you don't want to travel and, and put someone at risk, especially if they have health conditions or elderly. And like you mentioned, yeah. heat is a big thing. I know about that out here in the desert. I mean, yes. shit. Yeah. I used to grow hemp. What was it? 118, 20 degrees, you know, yeah. weather conditions when I was farming, which was a great job. I loved it. 
And it was for yeah. great reasons because it was like all about CBD and, and just like, you know, training out right. the THC and, you know, uh, and giving the THC to hospitals and stuff. It was a great job. But yeah. some wow. days, oh, dude, that was awesome, Eric. Like it was, <laughs> it was so cool. We put on like Bob Marley in the morning. Okay. We show up to the farm, put Bob Marley on, sun's coming up. Plants are growing, spray them. You know, I mean, we had some really tough days, though, because we get to, like, what, 118? <clears throat> Excuse me again. 118, yeah. 120. And it's just, like, it, it's almost, like, intolerable. Like, you can't take it, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Where, where was I in the You were in uh, Qatar. Qatar. I, was in, I was in Qatar for eight months. Qatar, Qatar, however you call it. And it would get, <laughs> like, 115, yeah. 120. 20 degrees by noon and o'clock. It was horrible. Yeah. Dry heat too will kill you. Yeah. And it was dry. Very, yeah. very much. Yeah. There, there was one day I was working on the farm and then the uh, the people came out to me that I was working with and they're like, John, come here. I'm like, what's up? They're like, you don't look good, son. I'm like, what? They're like, we're going to get you some Gatorade. I was messed up when I tell you guys like. No electrolytes. Yeah. No, I was. I was yeah. great. I got one more for you before I let you go. Cause that's that, that's the Jersey in me. I got one more for you. I'm going to hold you for another minute. Speaking of squirrels back in New Jersey, I had a fireplace at my old home. Two squirrels got in there. Right. Yeah. So I'm like sleeping on the couch and uh, hanging out, like just kind of taking a day nap or whatever. And I just hear, you know, I'm like, what is going on? So I opened the fireplace. I'm like, oh, my God, there's squirrels in there. So I closed it because I'm scared. Like, she'll tell you, like, I am a big you-know-what when it comes to, like, things <laughs> like this road. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. And then so I had to hire someone to come through to come get these bad boys. Good, I'm glad that they You did. know, it was so scary to me, though. And the guy comes in like it's nothing. He just gets his cage and picks them up. You right. know, and at the time I'm young, I'm still living with my parents and, uh, you know, I must've been like 16, 17 years old at the time. Right. And, right. and and my father's like, you couldn't get it yourself. Like, cause he's old school. He's like, you couldn't get it yourself. You could, you, you, you had to call somebody, you know, and he's like, I had to pay 75, $75. I had to pay like $30, $30 a, a squirrel here, you know, like, right. something like that. It was good you did that though, because yeah, I mean, because the thing to do is just leave it open, the doors they'll go out. But yeah, but you you didn't know. It's good, that, yeah. Because we we never use our fireplaces in case there's any nests of any animals up up there. We always have the chimney checked first and any animals removed. Of course, so, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And, 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 you know, always great talking to you guys. You guys are, you know, again, I hate to bring it up and be corny, but you're the best of the best. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I'll send you guys a link to the show in a little while. I cannot appreciate you guys enough. We love you. And uh, in better times, hopefully we all get to hang out, have some dinner or something. Yes. Love that. Great. We'll do it. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. So have a great one. Thank you so much. <laughs>